Welcome to the podcast, a monthly podcast brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. Your partner in strategic relationships and business development. We are your hosts, Aubrey Darden and TJ Dennis. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're your hosts, TJ Dennis and Aubrey Darden. But Aubrey, before we get started with our guest today, um, I want to take a second and talk about a new segment we're going to add to the beginning, talking about our two books. What exactly are those two books? Yeah, TJ. Um, so we're really excited to start incorporating this new part of the podcast for you all each month. Um, and, and during this segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about the books that our CEO um, and the president of the company wrote. So the first one is How Clients Buy, and that is by Tom McMakin, our CEO, and Doug Fletcher. That one is about how to land work with new logos um, by building relationships and and cultivating trust with the people you want to work with. And then the second one is Never Say Sell, which was written by Tom McMakin, our CEO, and Jacob Parks, the president of the company. And Never Say Sell is about how to land and expand with your current clients. So talking a little bit about how to leverage the relationships you have with the clients you work with to cross-sell and upsell and continue building trust um, by delivering the lanyap, so to mm. speak. And if you've listened to any of our other episodes, you know what the lanyap is, and it should make you hungry. Uh, with that all <laughs> said, you know we talk a lot internally about what these books are, how we can emulate the things in those pages into our, our daily lives, and especially in work. But for the listeners that maybe have never read them or have read parts and still have outstanding questions, we'd love your feedback on these books. Um, we've got a, a portion of our site, you know, profitableideas.com backslash contact, where you can reach out to our marketing team, our business development team, and talk about something maybe you've missed. We're going to be adding a tab for the podcast team because we'd love to hear the topics that are important to you and jump into anything that might be beneficial for your time. With that all said, submit your feedback, and we'll go ahead and introduce our guest today. Our first guest is Amy Chang. Amy leads the technology efforts at Profitable Ideas Exchange as the Director of Technology and works closely on financials with Pi's CFO. She's a certified Salesforce administrator, and she lives in Bozeman, Montana with her husband, son, and puppy. Excellent. And our second guest today is Kevin Siegel, who is a partner and director at Profitable Ideas Exchange and has been with the company for over eight years. Kevin has moderated a variety of group exchanges across multiple functions and currently moderates peer groups of chief tax officers as well as chief supply chain officer for one of the largest consulting firms in the world. Kevin and his wife live in Bozeman, Montana, and Kevin can be reached at C. Siegel at ProfitableIdeas.com or through the Pi website at www.ProfitableIdeas.com. Hi, Amy. Hi, Kevin. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you today. Thanks for having us. Be here. Um, so as you may have heard on other shows, we always like to start off by asking our guests a uh, random question, usually not actually that work-related. I want to hear Amy's answer and then Kevin's answer. What is the one food that you go to? Maybe you make it yourself or maybe you go to a restaurant, but what is the one food that you're like, it's your staple. It's something you like, maybe don't eat on a weekly basis, but your, your soul needs it 
on a somewhat frequent basis? What is that one food? I want to know. Um, well, TJ, it would be <laughs> the value hard shell taco from Del Taco. Um, Del Taco is a regional chain in, I want to say, like, Western United States. Yeah. And above most things, uh, there's amazing food everywhere we go in California. But every time we visit, we have to stop by Del Taco. Okay. And that I is... have to get three to seven hard shell tacos. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I remember, I have memories of going to Del Taco in my childhood because I was oh, yeah. born and lived in Northern California. And I remember I would always get like a cheese quesadilla. They were so good. So greasy. Yeah, Micah, my husband, always gets uh, the chicken soft tacos. We call them chicken softies in our house. And uh, I am not a fan. I'm a hard shell taco girl through and through. But and it brings your heart joy. It does. It brings immense joy. And they're way better than Taco Bell's hard shell tacos, to be clear, because the cheese is much more finely shredded and therefore much better. Okay, noted. Yeah. Um, for any of our listeners, if you disagree, please let us know. <laughs> Kevin, what's your what's that like food that brings you joy? Well, I could get on some on board with Amy there and some tacos. I guess for me, I'm going to be boring and say French fries. Um, so I am someone that um, actually makes my own French fries at home. We have a, a big turkey um, fryer that we use uh, to fry other things, but I've really got the recipe down where you uh, get the oil to about, I don't know, I think it's 325 is the temperature. You cook them for about 10 minutes, you take them out, pat them down, uh, and then you get the oil up to 375 and then uh, put them back in the fryer for another five minutes. But the most important part is that you actually soak the French fries uh, in water for about 30 minutes before to kind of blanch them. Um, and it ends up having a real crispy outside and a real fluffy inside. So Kevin, you do the French double fry. Are you serious? That's oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. If I'm making French fries at home, they've got to be done correctly. Can I come over next time? You're, you're, the invite's yeah. already out. Me okay, too, cool, cool. because French fries, potatoes in general, are like one of my favorite foods. Like they're always good in a chip, in a fry. You just can't go wrong. They're always good. And I love French fries. So Kevin, I'm feeling a little duped. I haven't had your French fries yet. I'll, I'll make a point of it. So here's a question in the back to the group. What's your oh. dipping sauce of choice with the French fry? Oh. Ranch Dep and anything else is unacceptable. <laughs> it depends on the type of French fry for me. Because like a good, just like normal French fry, I'm like, a ketchup and mayo gal not mixed together you have like like you have them separate so you can choose how much mayo and ketchup you want on each bite that's the key but if it's a waffle fry ranch 100 oh, oh. Mm. so you disagree with the you disagree with fry sauce because it combines all of those things yes and i think it's more socialization than anything because my dad is very firm against fry sauce as well he's like why would you mix it together because then you don't get to choose the proportion of each that you want in each bite which i am on board with well i so. feel like i just learned a lot <laughs> all right all right i'm glad we asked this question to start thank you this all very much <laughs> great okay well we're actually here to talk about business technology uh today so amy kevin you both have been kind of leading the charge on technology at Pi. Kevin, you've been here for, for many years, as have you, Amy, and you've seen a lot of evolution here at the company. Um, so Kevin, would love for you to tell us a little bit about the journey that Pi has gone through for 
technology improvements? Um, like, where did it get really hard to stay innovative um, and, and grow to improve the business? And what parts of it were particularly easy? So maybe I'll just start at the beginning. So when I, I first started at Pi, um, we didn't leverage a, a very strong CRM. We, we leveraged something which was called ACT at the time. And I think even when we were leveraging ACT then, it was outdated. Um, we, we did a lot of things on paper that nowadays things have, um, have naturally transitioned to a, an electronic or digital format. Um, I, I would say the, and I don't know if this is for all companies or, or maybe it was just Pi, but it's so important that you have someone that can think strategically about technology. I don't think you really understand how much technology can help solve some of the problems until you connect the problem with the technology solution that's out there. A perfect example at Pi would be, um, we used to do all of our call sheets on paper. Um, and then a few, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but someone then realized, well, we all can collaborate on an Excel spreadsheet together. Why wouldn't we just all do that digitally from our computer? Um, and it saves paper, saves the environment, um, and also just saves time. You can do it from your office versus everyone having to congregate in one place. Um, I also think about our transition to Salesforce. Um, that move has really moved Pi into um, the ability to do things like forecasting. Um, we have better record keeping. Uh, I just, I think about if we didn't make some of those those transitions or, or transformations at Pi, we wouldn't be as efficient as we are now. And I think there's still a lot of room for growth. Um, and that's why we've started to dedicate uh, folks that can actually think more strategically about the processes that we have with the technology that can help solve some of those issues or streamline processes. Well, and Kevin, you mentioned something here that I, I think is worth clarifying for all of our listeners. So like when you talk about paper call sheets and everybody being piled into a room, I think the other major transformation has been the move from from phone calls to actual video calls. Um, what I mean, did you think that that went over quickly and smoothly, or do you think that it was something that took a lot of time to adopt? I mean, COVID was a terrible thing, but it forced folks, uh, forced businesses, it forced individuals to really make those digital transformation efforts. Uh, you, you, I, if I thought back three years ago, I didn't know what Teams was. I knew what Zoom was. I was familiar with WebEx. Now it's almost, you you have to be completely fluent in all three of those platforms because that's how we communicate anymore. Uh, I, I still think there's going to be a time and place for, for the phone, but uh, having the ability to actually put a, a face to a name when you're speaking on the phone and see one another, just makes uh, a conversation more real. I, I don't know what it is. It's like 80% of communication is through body language. When you're on the phone, you don't get any of that sort of communication. It's, it's very, uh, um, I don't know, two-dimensional versus uh, a regular conversation, which you could be described as three-dimensional. Which I agree with you because I'm nodding and I'm sure you're seeing me nod as we do this. Um, Amy, as the person who is keeping a pulse on everything that Pi is using for technology, can you give us a little bit of an outline of the tools, whether they're hard and software that we use at this point, and why they make sense for profitable ideas exchanges model at this point in time? Yeah, for sure, TJ. I, I can really sum up the tools that we use at Pi kind of in like two main homes, really. One of them is just Microsoft Office 365, where all of our email communications and, and Word documents and Excel sheets and, and really kind of just like what makes the company operate on a day-to-day -day level is Office 365. And kind of the mm -hmm. nice thing about Office 365, um, which is different than other, like Microsoft sells a lot of things 
Office 365 is completely cloud-based. Okay. And for us, I think a lot of people, when we talk about people who work in tech, they talk about like processors and servers and all these really like big hardware items. We don't have any of those at Pi. Honestly, we won't need those at Pi. So there's something really beautiful and just using like the cloud, using this virtual space that we all kind of partake in uh, that we don't have to actually keep in-house at Pi because at the end of the day, Pi is not a technology company. Pi is a company of people who operate with technology, but we are not a technology company. And I think that's made a really big difference in how we think about how we use tech at Pi. Um, so that's kind of one half of the sphere for Office 365, all cloud-based. And then the other half of it is Salesforce. And again, that's all cloud-based, that's all internet. Salesforce has our own servers and processors and we kind of just partake in that. Um, but Salesforce is our, our customer relationship manager, it's our CRM and it's where we house, if we don't house our day-to-day -day emails there or kind of the operational things, that's where we, we house like the most important bits and pieces of our business, which our clients and the members that we work with and the communities that we build. And with that, with that level of sophistication that we have now with Salesforce that Kevin was kind of describing earlier, it's really just, it's allowed us to just grow our business in dramatic ways that honestly are kind of hard to fathom without the tool. Um, sure. Yeah, and there's something really beautiful too that I, it sounds like so simple now, but it's funny because it didn't seem so simple a few years ago, that Salesforce is dynamic. So as soon as someone changes one thing on a contact record or a two, an opportunity record, changes for literally everyone across the business. So Amy, you, you referenced something really interesting, and I'd be curious to hear either from Amy or from Kevin, um, who's in a more client-facing role, but how do you, how have you seen Pi's evolution in technology help us better serve our clients? Like, how have you seen these tools make us better client partners and more able to understand the way we work with clients um, or, or with our members as well? It's a great question, Aubrey, I'm, and I'm thinking about it. Um, and I think Amy can maybe speak to this a, a little bit better, but the, you know, we've talked about Salesforce a lot, but the ability to uh, connect our Salesforce with some of our client Salesforce to be able to have better communication has been massive. Um, I, you know, we've talked about video chat. I feel like I have better rapport and engagement with my clients now because I have the opportunity to connect with them face to face um, versus just over the phone. Um, it used to be that the only time I would see any of the clients I work with would be if I traveled to their city uh, for a live event. Um, those are just a, a couple of things that are, are thinking. Amy, what would you add? Yeah, I think that's spot on, Kevin. I feel like just Pi being more open to different forms of technology and us using different forms of technology has honestly just made us smarter. It's made us um, smarter in working with our clients. It, it feels like sometimes now we're, before it didn't seem like we worked in a lot of the same technology spaces. Like it seemed like we were kind of, we were, we were so smart and we're so good with our words and people at Pi are wordsmiths. But it felt like when we were, talking about some like processes and tech stuff it was just it just felt like we were kind of echoing words that we've heard and we didn't really have that experience internally and now it feels like we know what we're talking about it feels like we have this grasp on these platforms that we're using that are that are the exact same platforms that our clients are using 
So no longer it feels like we're just like learning and gleaning information. It feels like we're in it with them. And I feel like that's a pretty cool space to hold. Yeah, I would agree so much. And and we hear every single, it seems like every single interview that I have, somebody talks about like the tools to make their people better. And then we're doing the same thing. So I just echo that 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's huge. I don't know. I feel like with like we talk to just such smart people every day and it feels and i feel like it's a really satisfying thing to like feel like you can kind of keep up with a lot of this communication totally yeah absolutely well and i think about my day-to-day too and having a tool like salesforce where i can go in and see the last time i talked to one of my members or the last conversation I had with one of my clients and just being able to reference that so easily helps me feel more equipped and more prepared to come into those conversations, you know, knowing what we've talked about, knowing the context of the relationship, whether I'm, I'm building a project or I'm taking over a project for someone like there's just more information out there and readily accessible for us to be able to serve our clients better. Um, But Kind of on that note, and this is a question for both of you, Amy and Kevin, what would you say the perfect state of utopia is for technology in a business? Like, you know, what what can other businesses do to get there? And what does that look like at the point where business, I mean, technology isn't interfering in any way in like inefficiencies by having too much of it? but rather just enabling employees to better do their jobs and be more efficient in doing it. I, I can take a stab at this one first, Amy, okay. if you want. Um, I, I think a perfect state of utopia is, is knowing how to fully leverage the technology you already have. Um, I mean, let's use Salesforce as an example. Salesforce, it seems like every other week we find out, oh, we can do this now in Salesforce, or we can do this better leveraging Salesforce. Or I think about how we used to um, structure our files. We used to use um, SharePoint, which is, I believe, part of Office 365, as kind of our database where we would store all all of our files. But little did we know, Microsoft Teams actually does that and does it much more efficiently and allows you to collaborate across those files and across Teams, um, where otherwise, before we learned that, we, we were only le- leveraging it as an instant messaging and video chat tool. Uh, so I would say just n- making sure you can fully leverage the, the capabilities for a lot of the products that you already have. Uh, you think of Excel. I think most folks just use Excel to uh, make charts or to... Um, you know, create lists and things like that. But as everyone knows, there's a lot of things that Excel can do. And um, it's just knowing how to use them and then properly leveraging them. Yeah. Yeah. Like you took the words right out of my mouth, Kevin. I think for me, a perfect state of utopia, at least at Pi for technology, and it sounds kind of funny, is, um, is that people almost are able to do their jobs without even like thinking about the tech that they use like that they're able to do it so seamlessly that it's like so inextricably linked with the daily tasks that um that is almost not a separation that it just feels like that's what you do and it feels good and you don't have questions about it like you feel like you're able to do your job without all like the noise of the day hindering you and I feel like that sounds kind of weird but like the utopia of technology to me is people not really even wondering about the tech they're using 
because it feels so natural. It's just an extension of your body and your brain at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like we have, we've had conversations before where Jess Malakovich, who's an amazing person at Pi, who also trains other folks, um, we were talking about how uh, maybe we need additional Salesforce training for specific jobs in order to make uh, life easier. And I remember just being, I just remember just saying like, Amy, I think that's just training. Like Salesforce shouldn't be a training in and of itself. Salesforce should be something that is just linked to the stuff that we do day to day. So we shouldn't even call it Salesforce training because it's so linked into the work that we do. That if we're saying, hey, we're doing interview training, that, that includes Salesforce because why ever would it not include Salesforce? Uh -huh. um, so I think like the way that she had described that to me one day, that really stuck with me because I was like, yes, you're so right. The technology that we use is supposed to just make life better. And I truly believe that tech is supposed to make life better. So anytime that it, it does make it harder, I'm like, well, that's an issue that we need to fix because in my utopia, it just feels right and it feels smooth. I love it. I love it. How far along do you think we are in that process? If you had to guess, like if you had to give a percentage out of a hundred, are we like 80% of the way there? I think as a whole, I would put us at like a C. I would okay. put us at like, you know, in the seventies. Okay. Maybe like, maybe like a 77%. Okay. Like yeah, I don't know good. if I'd give us a B yet, but I feel like we're on that upswing of the C curve for sure. Okay. We're like... Uh -huh. We're at a passing grade, but we're, uh, we could do better for scholarship potentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, but I feel like there is this, I feel like there's this desire to learn the platform in ways that I haven't seen in the past. And I think that's a really, really cool thing. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that's just the most that we can ask for. And I'm all for it. TJ, if, if, as I'm thinking about it, and this is just my opinion here. I don't think yeah. it's possible for any company to truly reach a technology utopia. Um, sure. Because at the end of the day, technology moves faster than any business can adopt and implement the the processes and, and things that are out there. So um, my feeling is if, you know, we talk to executives all the time that are constantly trying to get to the next thing or, or trying to do something. And by the time they reach that, there's already something new. Um, sure. And that's the, that's the new state of utopia. So I think it's always something that a company should look to aim for and reach for, but whether or not you ever may ever make it, I just don't know if it's ever possible with the speed of innovation and technology out there. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like new tools are getting introduced seemingly every three to six months. You, you learn about an add-in for something you're already using, but if you keep shooting for the very best that you can do, and like Amy kind of said, if you have a team that's hungry to learn how to capitalize on what they're doing and maximize it, you might be living in the state of utopia now and not realize it until you look back, you know, a year or two. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't like that concept of it being a moving target because it feels like you can't really grasp it. It doesn't feel tangible enough for folks. Um, but, but Kevin is the right, like Kevin, the example you gave of like SharePoint being linked to teams. Um, that's new. That's new for Microsoft. Mm. Microsoft, recently has inextricably linked teams and Salesforce together so that every time you make a new team, it actually makes a new SharePoint. Like, and uh -oh. if you delete one, it actually, like the connection like is linked together in like a kind of binding way. Um, 
it's interesting and you just it changes and honestly if they change it in six months after we've kind of figured it out I wouldn't be surprised because in my head hopefully they're changing it for the better for yeah. us who do work better and I think like I think you almost have to like in this kind of tech space that's that where there is so much change and honestly where there is so much ambiguity you almost kind of have to live in that state of like you know what it's gonna every change is for the better because if you don't it feels like you're not just a couple steps behind. It, it feels like you're like years behind. So you kind of just kind of have to keep on, keep your head up, if you will. In that space. <laughs> well, and Amy, you're, you've made so many good points. And I think we've talked around a lot of it, but I think one of the greatest hindrances to make getting to that utopia is not having a culture willing to accept that change, the change management involved that comes with new technology and new processes and, and things like that. And so um, I'm just grateful that Pi has a culture of um, uh, where th there's no allergy to change. Uh, change is happening all the time and um, it gives us the opportunity to take full advantage of some of these tech items that might be out there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I was going to say one of the biggest things with technology is that it is a, an exercise in change management as well, right? So I think that I don't know that any company can ever reach that utopia. I think that being in like the 80% range, feeling like you're in the 80% range probably is the realistic state of utopia for a company with technology because there are constant add-ins and constant improvements to tools. And inevitably it takes time for employees to get used to it, whether they're open to it or not, it takes time for them to start using it efficiently and understanding how everything kind of integrates with one another. So mm -hmm. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, to be perfectly honest, it always is a balance between deciding what technology changes you even should implement in the companies that you work for, because is it best for everyone? Or is it just best for like myself as a technology person to be like mm -hmm. yes this is amazing but if I really love something but it doesn't feel like the company is ready for it at this particular point in time then then we hold off and we wait and that honestly might be part of the utopia because the utopia really should be based on the company rather than like the person mm. um, so there's yeah. always kind of like this there's always kind of this middle ground that I think you have to play in change is hard and change is great but so much change is yeah it's just one of those like lifelong problems of like is it good for everyone right now or is it just good for one person absolutely well I think that's a perfect note to end on Amy Kevin thank you so much for taking the time to come and be on the PyCast. it was such a pleasure to talk to you both and we're so lucky to have you both on the Pi team thanks for having us yeah thanks, thanks for, for having us that was super fun. Thank you both, TJ and Aubrey. Absolutely. We'll uh, see you all, I guess, in our next huddle internally soon. Fun time. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to the podcast, brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. If you enjoyed the content in this month's discussion, Please visit our blog at ProfitableIdeas.com or check out our books, Never Say Sell and How Clients Buy.
Profitable Ideas Exchange, connecting powerful minds and making the world smarter and smaller.